everybody. Welcome to The Real Word. This is episode 26. So we thank you all for joining us. I'm here with my co-host. Your boy Pastor Santa, come on the house. And we're here with a very, very special guest. Introduce yourself. My name is Herson Dawson. Herson Dawson, elder of Horror Church. Shout out to Horror Church. Shout out to that's your home church, right, Sam? Yes, sir. It's my home church. Yes, sir. So shout out to everyone that's been watching. Shout out to everybody that's been supporting. Shout out to everyone that's been here with us thus far. We thank you all for helping us and supporting us and through this long and difficult journey because it doesn't, it's not easy to reach 26 episodes, you know? It takes a lot of hard work, a lot of determination. It takes a lot, a lot of discipline. You know, there's been a lot of times where we felt like we wanted to quit. But then we continued going, we kept going, we kept striving, and after much work and much dedication, we are here right now. And we're thankful. Once again, I thank everyone who supported the turkey drive. I thank everyone that came out and supported, everybody that donated, everybody that's been supporting us all throughout this journey. Shout out to my home church, Jordan River. Shout out to the whole youth department, the whole youth staff. Shout out to Franco Haitian. Shout out to Brooklyn. Big up yourself. Mm-hmm. So basically, we're going to let you guys know that we're going to be having a toy cobra coming up. The flash should be coming soon. We want people who want to donate and um, contribute. And also, we want to get a lot of hands and participation and everything like that. We need your guys' help because at the end of the day, it's all about ministries, all about empowering people. It's all about encouraging people and supporting people and everything like that. So, Herson, Elder Herson, let the people know what you're about and everything like that. Oh, I'm a little nervous, but about Jesus. And um, I love what these guys are doing. It's exactly what Jesus would be doing for us here. That's what I'm about. I'm about making it and getting other people to make it as well. Um, for myself, Jesus, if we love him, we have to love what he loves. And he loves souls. Mm. So that's what I'm about. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I wanted to basically ask you this. Um, what, um, what is something that you want to accomplish when it comes to ministry and everything like that. Sounds cliche-ish. Um, save everyone. You know when Jesus said to the Father, I didn't lose anyone. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to reach as much as I can and lose no one. Meaning, my reaction, my action lost somebody. I want to be able to reach anybody I can, especially when they're not, when I think they're not looking. So when you said they're not looking, what do you mean exactly by that? Um, integrity and being consistent, which is the hardest thing for a Christian. Um, it's easy to put on the front when everybody's looking at you and put on the show because we've been taught traditionally to put on the show. So when I understand that in Proverbs it says, God looks, sits high and he looks on earth, mm. the good and the evil. At the end of the day, I have to stand before him. And so I don't really care too much about what the people say or think because at the end of the day I have to stand before him. So then I care a lot what he thinks about me and what he says. That's what's up. I basically want to ask you this. Um, What do you feel is the biggest need that the churches need to exemplify when it comes to the community? What is the biggest objective that the church needs to meet when it comes to that? Um, I have a sermon called, um, I want to be like Mike. And if you understand that, uh, Mike, the archangel, is Jesus. And um, 
why I entitled it that is because um, growing up, everyone wanted, everybody wanted to be like Mike. Mike, Mike Jordan, Mike Tyson, and now the James Mike Tyson, right? Michael Jackson. Now, um, growing up, people want to be like LeBron. Yeah. But I seldom hear people say, "I want to be like Jesus." Yeah. In the same way they talk about a LeBron or a Jordan, and that's because we have deified Jesus so much, which He is divinity. But we have deified Him so much, we forgot that He was a man. And so, the same way I can look up to Jordan. I can look up to Jesus the same way and make him the model again of who to truly follow. And so like when we look at Christ, we look at him as, okay, he walked on water, but if we have faith, we can also walk on water. So I look at him, he's the man Christ Jesus, the Bible says, so I look at him in that way. And so to reach the lost as Jesus did, and we were just talking about being discouraged, but I just told you, He's the hope, so he's the only reason why I'm not discouraged about ministry and even myself. He's the only reason why I'm not discouraged. It would seem nowadays, as funny as weird as hell, out of all the things that are popular nowadays that used to be taboo back in the days, the things that are that were taboo seem to be cool. The things that were regular seem to be taboo. The reason why I say that is we see all these <laughs> these these non-gender conformists, all these other people that's doing things that were that were not not necessarily the regular a hundred years ago. And let's say 20, 50 years ago, church was a big staple in every family's life. But nowadays if you say you go to church, they look at you like you're crazy. If you say that I'm a Christian, they look at you like huh? If some people go as far as to say that if you believe in God in 2017, like you're an idiot. Like because because they say basically like, do you really believe that there's a God? Because everyone else is so caught up in so many different things that to the point where it doesn't, I guess they don't want to be held accountable because when you believe in Christ and you try to keep the commandments, you are stuck within a certain jurisdiction that people that are not Christians don't have to obey by or they choose not to obey by. So you're, 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 you're not held accountable for those things or you feel like you're not. But I guess like they make it cool to say like like live fast, die young, you don't have to oh there, 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 there is no God, do as thy will, do as you want to do. And that's the society that we kinda live in right now. That's real. That's very, very real. Um, we have a lot of issues that we're dealing with in our society. For example, um, that needs to be talked about. Um, one thing that's been really, really, really been disturbing me lately is this situation with um, a lot of our Haitian uh, who have TPS. That's something that we need to really talk about as well too because a lot of people are being affected by, um, about it. I know a lot of Haitians right now, they are hiding, they're afraid. And what we need to do as a community is we need to um, speak against um, just um, how colored people, um, Hispanics, um, Mexicans are being looked down upon, and we need to just really, really maximize in getting um, lawyers and helping people get the residency. I want to know what you guys, what's your thoughts about that and everything like that? Other person? I mean, I agree. It is our job as Christians to advocate for others. Um, our biggest problem is, you know, the denying ourselves, and that's why I love what you guys do because. 
buy turkeys for other people, that's your money that you could have spent another way. That's your time also, the diaper drive and all of that that you're doing. Toy drive, these are money resources that you could have spent on your own that you're investing in people. And so these efforts to help people will take sacrifice of time, resources, and that's why it goes back to Christ. I have to love you enough to invest my money in you. I have to love and believe in you enough to invest my time in you, to give you a little bit of time to get you the help that you need. And so um, as you, you spoke and Sandra spoke, um, I thought of a song her car has that says, let's put Jesus back in his place again. Mm. And um, that's what has happened. Jesus stopped being the model for us. And so these things get by the wayside where he says like in Isaiah that we need to fight for the people that can't fight for themselves. Mm. But like when he's not the standard anymore, I become the standard. I don't care about you, you don't care about me. And as long as I'm good and the people closest to me is good, we're good, but that's not the gospel. Fact. Mm. In regards to the whole TPS and things of that nature, back in the days from what I know, Churches used to be able to sponsor people for citizenship. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they they would go as far as to pay for someone's application process. Mm -hmm. But nowadays it's not like that anymore. Wow. Like I remember when, because I'm an immigrant. Like I remember growing up, people people used to make fun of me and say, "Oh, you're a political refugee," and I used to laugh because that's where the Fuji's got their money from. Whatever. And, being Haitian growing up, Wyclef was like a hero because he was the most popular Haitian that yeah. you knew at the time. So I'm like, alright, so let me be that if that's what I mean. And I remember like growing up like as a kid, like like my parents used to make us put on like our church suits and put on outfits and they would drag us to this big court building and these buildings you would have to go up the stairs and then we would go up the stairs and then once we go up the stairs, we would go to in this office and they would just ask us a whole bunch of questions about wow. why we came to America, um, why are we here, why did we leave our home country, what went on, was it because, oh, were we a political or a refugee during um, um, having Steve's presidency, they asked us all type of questions and things of that nature and I remember at one point they had a file this big on us and mm -hmm. it was just a lot, like it was a lot, a lot, a lot. I actually did not become a citizen until my senior year in college. I remember like right before I graduated college, I had went to the, the naturalization ceremony and then they made you pledge allegiance to America and then and denounce your home country and, and like they give you it's like a new birth certificate, certificate of naturalization and you sign it and then you're like, oh if you go against America, it's treason, punishable by death and I'm like I'm like all all those years of going back and forth to those offices and being like interrogated by these people and spending all these lawyer fees. I remember the the, the lawyer shouted to shout to Trevor. This that was name, but like I remember going back and forth for years. Like this was from the time I was a kid, like maybe around like six six or seven to like right now. Like that's how long that process was. That process was like so long to the point where like it was draining in a sense. And then like to finally get that certificate, I guess it was such a big deal. But it's like a lot of people are still struggling in that sense. You know? Some people might not have the money to apply for the application fee. Some people might not have money for the lawyer. Some people might not have money to pay for those things, you know, so it makes it hard. So it's, it's, it's not an easy process at all, at all. So, but like, 
I feel like the church, yes, they can help the people a little bit better. Like they can help the community. They can support more. But the thing is, people are not supporting the church in order for the church to support the people. As in, like when we give our money to the church under the right leadership and guidance, I should say <laughs> they're supposed to. Yeah, under the right leadership, as in pastor, elders, treasury. They, and the members, the members contribute, it goes up to the treasury, and the pastor's supposed to be looking over all of that. And, and, and that's supposed to be how everything falls into place and how everything's supposed to help one another. Because sometimes, like, they'll say that the, the members are not tithing and the members are not helping, and then you wonder why churches in disarray, certain things are not getting paid for, certain people can't help them. There are churches that help people, like people in need, they help them pay their bills, they help them with certain things, they support them. If they can't pay their rent, they help them. There's churches that do that. There's some churches that don't. So like, you know, support those who will support you and each one help one another. I mean, um, the people have not been encouraged. We, when I say the people, we have not been encouraged to have a spirit of sacrifice. And, um, then I would make the difference leadership believe in sacrifice because you can't encourage what you don't believe in, especially something as sacrifice. Me, I'm going to give you my money, my time, my energy, my mind. Um, I may not be so interested if I don't believe in it. And so we can talk about it all we want. If the people, because the people have the power, it's not the leadership, it's the people, and they minimize their power because we still have a slave mentality. But you have the power. So if we need community, yes, the leadership can help, but if the people see the greater need, they can declare, we need to change this. And so do the people know their rights? Do the people know, like, we can change things? Like, it doesn't have to stay this way. And um, we have an inferiority complex where we forget where we came from. Like, oh, I didn't know you wasn't born here, but you didn't me. Something new, yeah? You didn't forget like mm -hmm. where you came from and Thanks. what you have to go through to be here and your story can help encourage someone else to be patient in the process as well. But a lot of us have forgotten because we came here mm -hmm. and we forgot the people behind us and so nobody knows we forgot them so there's no need to invest in them. So the people have the power, they just don't know it. So if you want to help your brother and you guys are doing, you don't need a church to back you to do it. That's true. You can do it. So if we want to help a brother who can't afford fees, we can. We don't need a church vote. It has nothing to do with tithing and offering because that can be your own free will offering on the side. Nobody got to know. Yeah, of course. And But another thing we don't have in church is we're not really truly brothers and sisters because if we were, a lot of these things happen on the low. I remember one time God spoke to me on your bench. Any church you go to, there's someone on that bench that didn't eat today, that didn't eat this week. And we don't think about that. We don't think about that. So that's not leadership. That's every individual that has to take a look at themselves. That's why on the turkey drive, I told Brother Sanders, I told the church, I said, yes, we're doing this turkey drive to help the community. But if there's anyone in this church, any family that needs it, please let, please let us know and we'll give you a turkey as well. And there was families that did not have turkeys for Thanksgiving, they couldn't afford people within the church. Mm -hmm. So like, you always gotta take care of others first, mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. And there's people that got like, 
I, I went to their house and hand delivered the turkey to them. You understand? Mm -hmm. And they appreciate that. And that's something that they'll remember for the, for the rest of their life probably. Like, like, like that Thanksgiving year, like this guy helped me and he did it out the concept hard and he didn't ask for nothing back. But it's not everybody that, that, that has that temperament or, or that's within that level of Christianity within themselves. I mean, I appreciate that you offered it to those in-house. Um, I think of the text that says, let no man despise your youth, but be thou a believer. Be thou an example to the believers first. A lot of times we want to show up to the people outside and we neglect the people inside. So I'm glad that you offered it also to them and you didn't shame them about it. That's another reason why people don't ask for help. Because everybody's going to know you help them. Of course. Even though the Bible says don't let your right hand know your left hand is good, but we still... We still need to get some type of credit out of it so that people don't like to ask for help, even though they need it. But I'm glad that you guys supplied that for people, and because of that, you guys will be able to help people greater. And like I said, this is just the um, beginning. We have a lot of things to do. We have a lot of movies that we want to make. But in order for us to do these things, we definitely need donations, contributions, and participation. Because like I said, one or two person can't do everything, but with one, Everybody can do something. We all can make something happen. We can all make a difference and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to basically ask uh, the person, do you have anything in mind that you have in mind for uh, next uh, next year that you would love to do? Any ministry, any, any ministry ventures coming up? I mean, just continuing to preach, um, doing more outreach. I don't do as much as I could, meaning corporate. I do individual one-on-ones. Um, I do my own little thing on the side, but be more involved corporately. Um, come out my comfort zone. Yes. I like to do things alone, but um, God doesn't believe in that alone stuff. Um, so just more of that um, grow spiritually and extend to more people. Um, I've been starting in my neighborhood. Um, the alcoholics that I see, trying to get them into programs, trying to help those immigrants that don't have no papers get some type of job. <laughs> on the book somehow just trying to help out the best I can I'm always thinking about that because again the crisis in your mind um, you can't sleep when you see the people that see <coughs> you every day and they're not going too well yes I go to church but I live in the neighborhood I live six days a week I go to church maybe twice a week Wednesday night bringing in Saturday in church but I see these people every day so I'm always praying to God trying to read my Bible seeing how I can impact my community. Then I can reach my church. It might sound weird. I go to church once a week, but I see these people every day. So, and that's basically what Jesus Christ did. He said, sent the people of the church, the people that claimed that they were of the faith, the night and we went into the streets and we found people there to preach to. Like I always say this, it's like when I first started preaching, like people would laugh, like you started preaching, and those people outside of church that would listen because they knew my story more than the people in church knew my story. That goes back to what you were saying earlier when we first started how we put on this mask. It's like we all build the foundation, we put on foundation, we put on the mask and then we put on the, we clean up our outer shells, but our inner shells is dirty. So we put on that costume and go to church. And once we leave the church, we take the costume back off and so it's like, ah, I could be myself again. And like, some, I feel like some people don't understand that being a Christian is 
and being a Christian 24 7. I then like it's not only yeah you know your Bible because the devil knows the word better, <laughs> better than we do and it's basically like I feel like a lot of us nowadays are not in tune with the spirit as in like it's like it's basically what John the Baptist said when they thought that he was such a upright and righteous man and he said there'll be a man that'll come after me that I won't even be worthy to try and shoot and it's like I baptize you in the water but he'll baptize you in the spirit and I feel like a lot of us like we're still stuck on the baptism in the water and not the baptism within the spirit because even me I got baptized twice the first time I got baptized was in the water because I did not know the word I did not know the religion I wasn't in the spirit I was in church but I wasn't in the spirit you understand it wasn't up until like I took a reflection of self and I really started to understand the spirit and it's like because my pastor did that he, he preached on Psalm 23 and he said, but then that Psalm, God is basically telling you all the things that he has laid out for you. Mm -hmm. Protection, provision, mm -hmm. and to me a few years ago would be selfish. I would never do turkey drive with that to drive, you know? That <laughs> takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. That Friday night, I didn't get home until 2 in the morning. And then I had to wake back up 7.30 in the morning to, to drive to church and bring off, to pick up the turkeys from my mother's house, then drive them to drive driving the church you know and then i have to do the lesson with the kids in the morning time i have to be there then set up the table and then be in church until 6 p.m and then i didn't get home again until 7 30. so i'm taking time away from myself i'm taking time away from my family and i'm doing all this for people that probably don't even know my name you know but it's not like okay yeah it's not like i want people to see it's more so like these people are like like this lady contacted me and she was like, she was like, she was like, she was like, I'm just happy because at least I got a turkey for my son and not to eat that day, you know, things like that. Like the this lady, she was even speaking to me. She was speaking to an elder in the church and she was like, you see that guy right there? You see that guy right there? He came all the way to my house and gave me the turkey. You know what that meant? And I was like, wow, really? Like you know how Asian guys in the was like, oh this guy, and then he was like, and she was like, yeah, it's him right here, him right here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And there was so much thank yous. And I was like, you're welcome. And sometimes people might think that I'm passive about it, but no, it's like I was doing something that I felt like I should do, not something that I feel like I have to do. You understand? Well, I wasn't doing it. Okay, look at me. I'm doing this. No, like you need this. I have it. It's yours. Girl, that's growth, man. And um, money can't buy that feeling. Actually, yeah. um, just a thank you when you sacrifice. And um, even if they don't know your name, at least they appreciated it. Um, because the same people Jesus opened their eyes, crucified him. Um, so it is a good thing to see the growth in yourself. And that's what it's about. Like, um, I'm not about, I don't really care to impress people anymore. I don't think I was like that anyway. That's true. But um, like, now that I'm understanding Jesus more, and as it is said, when you get close to him, you see you for who you really are. And so I'm starting to see I need him more and more ever. And so now makeup makes you up. That's why people wear makeup. <laughs> and um, if I'm spending my time putting my makeup in front of you, what we haven't learned, you can't fake you and me at the same time. What happens is that you confuse you. And the Bible even says that um, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Yeah. And so i rather take off, well I never wore makeup, but i rather you see me for who I am, 
with my mistakes and my mess ups and the mess ups will not stay because I'm looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of my faith so I will get where he says I can get um, but the makeup thing I don't believe in it but I believe in the spiritual growth and that's what I'm reaching for um, the Bible says there's a level we need to reach and it's not what you say I need to reach or what Sam say I need to reach it's what he said I need to reach he said I need to reach perfection I may fall on my way to that perfection but I'm forever striving that and it goes back to what I was talking about earlier the hope thing the only reason why I don't lose hope is because he says I can make it if us one one day one minute I forget that he said I can make it I lose hope because we are hopeless without him and we don't know it I was talking to my mom earlier um, she was talking about someone who lost their mom 20 years ago who's still mourning like they just lost them versus my family we lost at least five people this year five people within like a three month period my God. and it hasn't been easy but God has been truly holding us down and we were sitting down saying what's the difference we know God they don't not that we're better that's real we're not better we're just blessed and advantage for now and we hope that this person was a celebrity so but we're hoping that the gospel gets to them too so they can be healed just like we are getting healed we're not a hundred percent I mean we have our tears and we have our pain um, you know, as recent as I, as I can be a church preacher, I came from a funeral. Yeah. So that wasn't easy, but the growth, man, I, I love that. And God wants us to reach it, and we can. And so I love that. You went from being selfish, now you're getting better at being selfless. And that means you're getting closer to Christ, and that's motivating. Because as people, we are naturally selfish. That's a fact. I got to spend my time, my money, my energy. Bro, and you remember everything. <laughs> I got home at 2.30. I had to wake up at 7.30. I had to go do the. You remember everything. Yeah. So that that's how much taxing it was for you. But there was a growth. And that's where we need to keep growing. And we're going to grow in the spirit as we continue to read God's word. And again, not put the mask. Because the mask, after a while, you can start lying to yourself. Course. And then, therefore, your prayers won't be honest either. And so then, how can God deliver if we're lying to Him after we've been done lying to ourselves? That's real. How? The Reverend T. Jake said that the best thing to do is say to the Lord, order your steps, Lord, order my steps, Lord, order my steps. And he said sometimes when God is bringing you in a certain direction, God is the one that's molding your life, God will bring you to certain levels that you will never expect you to go. And then people are gonna look at you and some people might hate you and some people might get upset at you when you're like, I don't understand why I gotta pick that person to reach that pinnacle in life. Mm -hmm. But they don't know about the struggles you run through. They don't know about the devils that you had to overcome. They don't know about all the things that you had to go through. And it's like, you know all those things and you carry all those scars, the visible and invisible. So you still look in the mirror and see yourself the same exact way as you used to. Just like just now, I had to talk about when I was an immigrant, a lot of people didn't even know that because, you know, I don't really got an accent, but I remember that like it was yesterday. Like I remember the like gray suit and the white shirt and the little bow tie parents dragging you to the immigration office and like, I think all of those experiences in my life, like they humbled me. And now, 
I could sit in front of the camera and share it with, with different people because they're like, okay, this guy was an immigrant, this guy went through certain things, this guy battled with his faith, this guy went through different things, and he's able to overcome those things, and she's able to talk about them freely. Because like you said, a lot of us don't like to talk about our past because we want to keep this clean image. Like we never went through difficult times. You, you know what I like, um, well, what T.D. Jake said, um, I think I heard him say that before, but um, I think when you grow, our identity can't be in what we have, it's who we have. And um, if Sander made it, I can be happy for Sander, genuinely, um, and I don't have to feel insecure because he made it. Because one, if he went, I win, right? And if he lose, I lose. Mm -hmm. And But greater than that, I didn't lose anything because he moved up. And that's where we need to, like, we need to get to that place where my identity is in Christ, where I stand with him. Everything else is additional. But it doesn't make me better. Like, I'm a doctor and you're not. That don't make me better than you. And I could just be broke. That don't make you better than me. It's who I am in Christ. And that's what we need to get. Like, I understand you've gone through some scars and you've gone through some grown, grown pains. But that shouldn't, we should get to the place that shouldn't matter. It's who you are in Christ. That should matter. Why do you think that it's who you Christ should matter other than the external things? Just let's put it out there. Because the external things are fleeting. They don't last. And as I'm growing, I'm realizing that um, you can have all you want, something is still missing. And we learned that from the woman at the well. Something was always missing. And Jesus had to tell her I was the one missing. Wow. And so, man, that stuff can't, can't do it. No, that's a fact. I mean, look at a lot of rich people. A lot of rich people, they have everything in the world, but they, they commit suicide all the exactly. time. Because that that stuff can't do it for you. Um, Rick Warren, he said there's a there's a vacuum, there's a God-sized hole that only God can fill. Mm -hmm. And it's very true. Oh, listen, they want they want um, person volume up on the mic. That's what they basically say. Is he, is he talking a little bit louder now? You heard something. Do you hear me better now? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, man, we just need to get our identity in the right place. Um, seek God, like he says, while he can be found. Yeah. Because he can fulfill the greatest needs. Um, how, how many of our parents come, they didn't have much, but they had Christ, they had everything. And we doing so much better than them, quote unquote, but we're miserable. It is not the stuff we have. You need the stuff, but you need Christ more. And so I see that we spend more time, we all do it, more on TV, more in school. Um, I fell out of love in school um, myself, even though I did graduate, I have my degree, but that was not a plug or nothing. But I fell out of love in school because school took my time. It took my energy, it took my time with him, and it took my time with people. And so we need to go back to making, again, like her car said, make God a priority again, put him back on top again, and everything else will not only fall into place, we will be fulfilled. Yes. And that's what we need, to be satisfied. Yes, sir. And, um, I'm impressed when Paul says, and I want to reach that, he says, I learned to be content when I'm hungry, when I'm full, when I'm happy, when I'm sad. My man said, I learned to be content in any situation. My God. And that's because he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's where I want to reach. 
It's not about the money, it's not about the car, it's not about all that stuff. We make it up to be. It's about Christ. Why do you think it's very important to have a foundation with God? He is the foundation. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a funny thing, I've been praying with my mom the last week and she's been she's been um reciting this verse every morning and it's been getting my attention since the funeral when I came back on Saturday like I told you my mom I passed through my stuff through her so I always have a prayer with me and then she gave the verse um, if God does not build the house you build in vain and she she's been repeating that every day even this morning we prayed together she repeated that verse again and it's been I've, I've been trying to search my brain what is she really trying to say to me and so why do we need him to be a foundation? Because if the foundation is not built with him, we're building in vain. We're wasting time. Because at the end of the day, you're trying to fill a hole with stuff that can't fill the hole. And it sounds cliche-ish, but we need Jesus. Um, we need him. We, a lot of us don't know we need him. But we need him. I realize I need him. And... Um, that song, I Need Him Every Hour, has become more personal to me because I need him. I don't just want him, I need him. And everybody needs him, they just don't know it. And it's our job to bring Jesus to people. That's deep, that's deep. I think nowadays, like I always speak to the youth about, I feel like nowadays there's too much of a disconnect between, I guess, because we're so distracted. I feel like TV, phones, like everything is moving so fast, like that we don't take time the way we used to, to spend time with God, you know? Like I remember when I was a kid, like we used to, every, every morning and every night, every night before we went to sleep, my parents would gather all of us in their bedroom and they would pray with us before we went to sleep. Every morning before they would wake to work, they would wake us all up and bring us into their room and pray with us before they left to go to work. And I feel like, as we got older and we got more busy and we started to get involved in different things, like there were less time for prayer, I guess. Even now, a lot of us do a bunch of microwave prayers where we say a couple words and we're like, okay, amen. And it's almost like we're trying to rush the prayer and just to get it and get out. Even, even in the sense sometimes when you ask someone to pray in church, like they're like, no, I don't want to pray. And then you ask why. They're like, oh, I don't know how to pray. Like, how do you not know how to pray? Like, you do know how to talk, and you do know how to think. So, but I guess nowadays it's, it's, it's like, I guess the wrong things are more important nowadays. Now, it's funny, you said microwave prayers as you spoke. Um, <laughs> microwave prayers according to who? Um, because this is why I say that. Um, the Pharisee gave us a whole resume in a prayer, and then the publican just said, have mercy on a sinner like me. And Jesus said, that man lived justified. Um, it's about the sincerity of the heart. It's never been about the length of time and about the words we're saying. Now, time is important, which is why the Bible says pray without ceasing. So prayer is a never-ending conversation. And so when we wake up in the morning, the Heavenly Father, you don't even have to say amen until the evening because it's a never-ending conversation. Don't take me literally, but you get what I'm saying. Pray without ceasing means a non-stop conversation. So when I wake up, I do my devotion. I pray before I leave my house. I pray before I get on that bus because I don't know that bus driver. I pray before I get on the train because I don't know the train either. And I don't know if I'm going to get out on the other side of that train also. I remember when there was that little earthquake in New York. Um, I didn't know about it until I got off the train. 
So that means I could have probably, if it was that bad, died on that train and not even know what killed me. So when I get off that train, I get on the bus, I get home, I pray. Before I go to sleep, I pray. It's a non-stop prayer. And if you have friends, you pray with them also. It's a pray without ceasing. It never stops. A never-ending conversation. Now there's those, you know, solitude time that Jesus, like, he always pulled away. Mm -hmm. And he made time. So the song Intentional came in my head with Travis Green. Um, although the message is God's actions are intentional, but we have to be intentional. And I don't know if you guys say Ellen White on this, but Ellen White talks about guarding jealously the times for prayer guarding jealously the time for Bible study because truth be told, there will always be something to do. There will, with our phones, someone's always going to call. Someone's always going to text. It's about coming to the place where we intentionally force it. So sometimes I leave my house without my phone because I, I don't even bring it with me and turn it off because I know me, I'm going to turn it on. So if I have to, I will leave it home. And to be honest with you, the best moments was when I didn't have a phone. Um, because I used to talk to God way more. God used to... Um, we was talking about Myron Edmonds on the way here. Um, no phone. God tells me, go for a walk. I'm like, all right, go for a walk. I land in front of a church. You know, old school Adventist, you see a church open, <laughs> be going to church. I went in there, I heard a voice. I'm like, man, I know that voice. And I peeked my head as Myron Edmonds. And I sit there, I'm hearing the sermon, I'm like, all right, this is cool, but I'm like, Lord, why am I here? And for a minute, I thought, okay, I'm going to leave, because I wasn't dressed, because he just told me to go for a walk, so I just grabbed anything, and, and then I sat there, and I heard the whole sermon, and it's not until before the benediction, what I needed to hear, I heard. And so my point to say, like, when I didn't have a phone, I was a little more focused, was a little bit more there, sober and vigilant, like the Bible says, so... We have to be intentional about spending time with God and shutting down Facebook Live even, shutting down the Instagram and shutting down the telephone. And like we have to be forceful and intentional, kind, but we have to be very intentional in our time with God. Because you know what? When people want your time, they're going to force you to give it to them. So we need to learn to force that time. And that's the only way it will become routine. Up until after, if you don't force it, just like the gym. When you start off at the gym, no matter what you are, you start off at the gym, you don't fill the gym in the beginning when it's hurting your body. But you force it, then you start to see results. It's the same with the spiritual. Yeah. Speaking of the gym, I guess we all have to work out. We have to work out our demons and exercise sin so that we can grow in God. <laughs> elaborate on that exercise sense interesting yeah as in exercise our exercise our sins as in work them out not like exercise them as in do them yeah, like yeah. yeah that's what I mean because like the other day I was speaking to the youth from my church and then we spoke about sin and we was doing the morning lesson and then I asked them is it easier to do good or to do bad and they all said it's easier to do bad and I said why and some of them said, it's because it's fun. And I'm like, what do you mean it's fun? It's like, it's fun. Like, even the, the, the smaller ones, I said, like, <laughs> and I said, like what? They, they said, like, lie. Like, lying is fun. And I was like, why? They said, I don't know, because why tell the truth when you can lie? <laughs> and then this girl said that 
She was like, I've been lying so much that it's natural for me. I said, yeah. I said, one day you're going to be a wife, so be careful with that. And she was like, and she was like, yeah, I can understand that. And then the lesson basically said that we were given free will whether or not to follow his laws or not. But we know the difference. And, and I gave them a perfect example. I said, look at us inside a church. Because we follow certain laws and we keep certain principles and we keep the commandments, we're under special protection that some people who don't go to church don't have. Like, say, for example, look at the people you know that don't go to church and don't believe in God. They're out there doing all kind of things. Not to say that people in church don't do those things. But we know better. So in a, in a certain sense, we do a lot better. And I was trying to explain to them that every single thing that they make do is going to affect them for the rest of their life. And then this kid asked, what if I sin just once? I said, once could you, the result of one sin could affect you for the rest of your life. He said, how? I said, I'll give you an example. Say, for example, you chose to fornicate out of lust. So you fornicate with someone and you don't use protection. And then you fall victim to AIDS, HIV. You have that for the rest of your life of one decision that you made. It was like, wow, I didn't even think about it like that. I said, exactly. Like, there's certain things, certain provisions that are put in place for us that's going to protect us from certain things. It can't even go further. Like, a, like that was huge, like a fornication. Um, but something as the, the kid that said he lied. He's been lying. Exactly. Um, wars have been begun because somebody lied. We just came from one with a few presidents ago who lied. And because he lied, we went to a never-ending war. Yes. So, and, a, and a lot of innocent people died for no reason. Exactly. And they're still dying. And um, to be honest, um, as I'm getting older, we sin. We fall short. Not making excuses. Um, I sin, but not hoping to stay there. Hoping to reach perfection, as I said before. But um, sin is not fun. It may be fun in the moment, but it's not fun when you know you broke God's heart. That's right. And at the end of the day, like I said to you, I'm, <laughs> I'm with him and he's with me. And, all right, you could think something about me and that's okay. You could think something about me and that's okay. I won't lose sleep over that. But I will lose sleep to know I hurt his feelings. And sin hurts his feelings. And not, yeah, it hurts us. But, like, I think about um, Adam and Eve. Um, and I... I think about it, when we talk about Adam and Eve, we spend the time talking about they lost the garden. We spend the time talking about they lost um, um, life. Um, Eve, now her birth is um, increased in pain. But when I really look at that thing, what they really lost is face-to-face -face contact with God. And that's what is, for me, the most devastating part of what they lost. And for me... Sin is not fun. I wish and I hope to get to a place where I don't. Because to know I broke his heart is not fun. And so that's why we have to love him on that level. Because when you love someone, you don't want to break his heart. And greater than that, again, that's why we have to make him the standard again. Because a lot of people say, we say we love Jesus. But really we got to measure if we love him. Because 1 John 5 says, if we sin... Not only you don't love him, you don't even know him. So a bunch of us say, us, not you. A bunch of us say we know him. According to the Bible, we don't even know him. Because it says it in 1 John 5, if we sin, we don't know him. 
And so a lot of us need to go back to get to know him. And to love him is to know him and for us to grow and to stop sinning. As you get older, you understand the consequences better. So that kid who said, oh, I like to lie, or I got so used to lying, <laughs> um, that's okay. For them, they don't see it, and that's our job to instruct them. That's right. But when we're older, when you know Christ, I mean, and you, you fell off the wagon, man, that's heartbreaking to know you hurt his feelings. And again, that's where it goes, stop with the mask and stop trying to impress people like look unto him because you know that's the funny part you break his heart and then he says come boldly to the throne of grace to get that mercy and grace you need from the person whose heart you broke so that's why we have to make him the person we try to we want to impress not that our impressing him will make a difference because our righteousness is as filthy rags but because we love him don't want to hurt his feelings and that's where I'm at. And I make mistakes, I fall, but like, I want to reach it because he said I could reach it. Then he said I got to reach it. And then I, won't, I don't want to break his heart anymore. What you said about age, age does play a big part in it because when you're younger, you're more reckless and you do certain things, not thinking about the, con the consequences. When you get older, you do weigh the consequences more often. Well, what happens is that um, I think um, the parents especially the Caribbean parents have done a bad job of explaining lovely in a loving way to their children. Fornication is not only bad because, all right, God said don't do it, but you mess up order when you fornicate. Now, you use the example of AIDS. What if a kid came out of that? Now, no kid is a mistake but a kid is a consequence. Now, a lot of people who have children out of wedlock don't see, and no kid is a mistake again, they don't see the magnitude of what happened because God blessed with provision. And so we could still have a baby shower, you could still, the kid never goes without. So then we don't see the consequences of it. But now if God wasn't so gracious, like I think about WIC checks and um public assistance that's god who touched somebody's heart to help you that way because the natural man does not want to help you that's why they're trying to ship everybody back it ain't trying to help nobody but like when i'm studying my bible um we mess with order when you don't have a father my bad you don't have a husband you have a baby daddy we don't get to see jesus and when you have a baby mama we don't get to see the church and then we don't get to see how jesus saves so it's bigger than these things and of course our parents didn't know that but you need to sit down and talk to your kids something my mom did she always spoke to me she didn't tell me any everything because it had to be age appropriate but she actually had a relationship with me and spoke to me where I could believe what she said even if she didn't give me full explanation because the Bible does say we have to learn to obey even sometimes when we don't understand but Ellen White says that God gives you sufficient evidence to build your faith so it's about the relationship you can't just tell me don't do this not to do it because naturally you tell me not to do it i'm gonna want to see why you tell me not to do it but even if you can't tell me but you build relationship and credibility with me i can sometimes most of the time just take your word for it so it's about relationship ironically though a lot of our churches right now is mostly the 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 women and the children that's in the church and not that much men in the church. Mm. 
like I've realized that when I got older that there's a lot of single mothers in church. Oh? Yeah. I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. That is true. There are a lot of single mothers in church. Um, I would have to go back to their history. That's a conversation we should have to ask. How did that happen? Or where did they... <laughs> I don't even know. Like I, I ain't got from like I know everything. But um, I do know that God still blesses those single mothers. And um, he blesses them a lot of times with double to be mother and father although that was never his plan but um i can't speak too much on that i do see that and um i can't but i can't speak too much on that so what do you think is happening to all these fathers why do you think so much men are leaving the church at such a high rate why do men men have stopped believing men believe too much in themselves men have become too selfish to think about themselves they don't think about the family anymore they don't think about the church and Something we spoke about earlier, the Bible says that God's commands are not grievous. And I've learned that God's restrictions are good. They always feel good though. But they're good because they keep you, us from destroying ourselves. And I went to a school, and um, to not offend, I just won't say too much on it, but I learned in that school, okay, we, we had a class. <clears throat> And the class was just so chaotic. And the class was chaotic. Everybody did what they wanted to do. And um, I remember the class got so chaotic one day, the teachers said they didn't want to come back. And I sat in the back, and I was just laughing. I was like, this class is, is a, it's a mess. And then as I sat, I thought about it. I said, you know why this class is like this? I said, because there's no rules. But that was intentional. The class was a free-for-all class. So it was intentionally chaotic. What subject was it? It, it didn't have a subject. It was, just a, it was just a lab. That's what it was called. The lab. The lab class. The lab class, anything goes. You speak anyhow, you do whatever. So they had no syllabus? They had no... No, they had a syllabus, but no rules. Like, you can't talk to teachers a certain way. You can't it, cut it, people off. You you do what you want. This is college. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but it it was a you know <laughs> a planned chaos. Okay. But they didn't know it would get <laughs> this chaotic. Okay. Okay. And so it got so and offensive that they would sometimes go at the teachers. <laughs> so. Wait, in regards to what? In regards to the conversation that any, was being held. Any like there was no no holes barred. Whatever they wanted to say, they'd say it. Wow. They just go at the teachers, and I sat there, and I and I sat there, and I said, you know what, this class is like this. I said, because there's no rules. And then one of the professors said, and this is what solidified it for me. She said, my, she teaches a religious class, which, is, which another student told me I should take as an elective because she's that good. And she said, but I love that class. And it was every Tuesday. She said, I can't wait for Tuesdays to come for that class. This lab I'm talking about was Thursdays. She said, I dread Thursdays. And that's what it solidified for me. I'm pretty sure if, if that's a religious class, there's rules in that class. Wow. In this one, there's none. So afterwards, I went to her and I said to her, um, after I done laughed, I'm like, okay. I went to her, I said, you're a Christian, I assume, right? She said, oh, hallelujah, all of that stuff. <laughs> and I said, um, so if you're a Christian, you can clearly see why this class is the way it is. She said, no, tell me. I said, because you have no rules. 
the Bible says, uh, the, laws, no, um, the laws are not burdensome. And I said, laws restrict us from destroying ourselves. And I said, if you have some rules in this class and not make it a, just a lab, anything goes. Like, like, there was a project one time where students almost went at it with each other because the rules are, there weren't enough rules. So what did they do the next semester? First day of class, set of rules. Now, look at the difference. That class, my bad, it was so bad, they said, some professors said they wanted to retire. Now, the following semester, they put some rules on the first day. They didn't even want the class to end at the end of the semester. So God's laws, and that's man's laws, that's man's rules. God gives us rules and laws to keep from destroying ourselves. But I feel like at times man tries to create their own laws or they try to like believe in themselves more than they believe in God. Like even certain societies, like I know Freemason Street, it said that you could join as long as you believe in a religion. It, don't have, it doesn't matter which religion, but any religion, because whichever man that believes in something bigger than himself is a respectful man. And that goes back to what you're saying. When... Like, like Christ said, deny thyself and pick up the cross. Whenever you could deny yourself and deny your wants versus you're serving a God, and in return that God protects you and he gives you everything that is set aside for you, then you start to understand that those rules and staying within those rules make you a better person, even within society. If you follow the laws, you become a better citizen. Sometimes you don't follow the laws and break the laws or whatnot, and that makes your life harder for the rest of your life I mean you said it like a lot of us leave the church because we don't want to be restricted but the man doesn't restrict you the pastor doesn't restrict you if you're reading God's word he restricts you you can't just do anything you can't just say anything you just you can't go any you just can't go anywhere it's part of the life and um, that's the hard part with us there's many things I read in the Bible I ain't, I ain't trying to hear it but you know, I, I'm fighting me because I already know, I already know in theory his way is better than mine. <laughs> Even though I don't always act like it, but I already know in theory his, way, his ways have, have been tested over time. And they are better than any new ways I'm trying to manufacture. So um, a lot of men, and there's other issues, but most I think it's most selfish, looking to themselves, trying to build themselves. And sometimes when you weigh your family versus your own ambitions, your own ambitions beat that out. And men haven't been also haven't been taught how to be leaders. True. Men didn't have fathers, which is not an excuse because now you have Google that can teach you how to be a man. The Bible teaches you how to be a man. Yeah, it's true. You could Google anything. The Bible teaches you how to be a man. Um, Jesus was the greatest man. So Jesus was a man of responsibility. Adam, before the fall, was a good man. The Bible teaches you a lot of how to be a man, but again, all these men had restrictions. Jesus, um, even when he, his mom was telling him, you'll turn the water into wine, he said, it's not my time yet. He restricted himself. And so we don't like restrictions. We don't like to be told what to do. We like to thyself be truth. I want to do what I want to do. And so then after a while, church loses its influence on you. The Bible loses influence if we keep doing what we want to do. Then it just becomes a book we just read just to read it. And then you get a generation living godless. And no examples for the following generation. Because this generation care more what you do than what you say. 
the blind leading the blind. Right. We're just inconsistent. And um, as much as I say, like, you know, I don't, I don't care what people think, but I always know people are watching. And um, the people that you don't expect watch the most. Of course. And that's those are the people that's more impressionable. And that's why we also got to think what I'm doing doesn't only affect me. It affects that kid that may not understand what I'm doing. And I may not be even be able to explain why I did what I did, and he's just left with a bad impression. Let me give you an example of that. Like, this happened to me, well, I can recall two times. One time was this kid, like, he goes to Hebron, and he, I came over to my church, and he was looking for, for people to sponsor him for Pathfinder. Mm. He was like, oh, what's up, Ricard? And I said, hey, what's up? And then I, I did not know who he was, and I was like, how do you know me? He said, everybody knows you. I said, no, 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 you don't. He said, yeah. He said, because we watch your videos. I said, I was like, oh. He said, yeah. And then he's like, we all watched them. Everybody at my church watches them. And I started laughing. I said, no, they don't. He said, yes, they do. We watch them all the time. Yeah. I started laughing. And then, it, and then he was telling me, like, word for word what I'd be saying in the videos. And I was just oh, laughing. God. I just shook my head. I'm like, that's crazy. He said, yeah, they're pretty good. And then he just ran off, like, like an average kid and then that blew me back another time i met this other kid like because the kids used to band practice at my church on sundays and i used to always come by and hang out with them i used to open the door for them to, to the church because i was like in my mind i was like i'd rather them be in the church than be outside at least then they're in the church they're doing something mm. like positive yeah something positive you know so like one of the kids was like yo I remember I was going through a breakup, and I wasn't doing all that good in school. And I saw one of your videos. I said, what you mean? And he said, yeah, I saw one of your videos. And I started laughing. I said, what you want? And he told me what you want. And he was like, yo, everything that, that you were saying, it was making sense. And to know that you went through those things, like, that meant a lot. Like, like, if you would go through those things and make it and be where you're at, like, I think I could do the same thing. And, wow. I was like, and I was like, wow, like that's crazy. And it's like, it's crazy to me when people, like, say things that I've said verbatim, like, exactly how I said it. Like, sometimes people say things that even I don't remember. Like, like a perfect example, before I used to do the videos, I used to just write Facebook posts. Like, but to me, it'll be like I'm speaking to a wall. Yeah. Because I would write something, and no one would comment, no one would like it, and they would just sit there. But then when I see people in person, they would say exactly what I wrote on Facebook to me, and I'm like... And I'm like, wait, but no one liked that post and no one comments <laughs> on it. But how you know it works for it is that I read all your stuff. And, like, that used to blow my mind. Like, that used to blow my mind. I just, wanted, I just want to basically add um, that is, I know it, it for me to add, I know that it was real for me when I had a couple of people who told me, listen, man, there's times I wanted to commit suicide. Mm. But that post that you put it today mm. retracted me from committing suicide and everything like that. Or... You have people who repost all your stuff and like all your stuff and tell, tell you, listen, you know, you ever had those posts that you put and the same person liked your stuff like not even five minutes, like in two seconds they liked it and everything like that. So it's just to remind you, you know what I'm saying, and to remind myself, like I said, this is bigger than us. When we put posts, it's to encourage, it's to inspire, it's to motivate, it's to better people. And like I said, people are watching, and that's why we got to keep doing what we're doing and stuff like that. I know it's a lot of sacrifices that are being made on both ends, but know that we're doing things unprecedented 
things that haven't been done before, and God is going to reward us tremendously and everything like that. Mildred asked you a question, Herson. She said, and Ricard said, do you think the difference in which boys and girls are raised differently in the household play a major role as to why there are more females who stay in church as they get older? Repeat the question. Okay, she said, do you think the differences in which boys and girls are raised differently in the household play a major role as to why there are more females who stay in church as they get older? I mean, that might be, I'm, I'm assuming that's a Haitian question. Um, <laughs> no, it's true because Haitian men are given a pass. Boys are given a pass that the girls are not given. Wow. Um, so that might play a role, but at the end of the day, when you get older... This is, I think, the, the biggest thing. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. In the Adventist house, a lot of times the first thing given to a kid is a music book and not the Bible. Well, Yeah, we can do family worship all we want, but a lot of times it is done just to do. Did the kid understand what you were studying? Did we understand the lesson or we just did the lesson? So when they take a quota in church and we say we did a lesson, we all say, yes, we do our lessons. But did we make sure our kids understood what they were studying? When the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go, that training is physical and also you got to talk to them. Wow. And so when the kid is growing up in this bias um, circle, the girls are treated a certain way, the boys are treated a certain way. The girls, a lot of times, are focused on way more than the guys. So as a result, we never get to see the balanced training of how this kid is growing up. And so now when they're left to fend for themselves, they don't know the product they are. So then the boys just get up and they play church like they play their parents. I'm done. This is over. And so um, she made me, that question wow. just made me think, Wow. when I have my own family, because honestly, because I'm a guy, I always said to myself, I always said to myself, <laughs> I, want more, I, want more, I want girls. But I want like three boys to help me man that one girl. Right? But that's bias. Why didn't I ask for three girls to man that one boy? Yeah. So now that means no, I But I want boys. Girl. I want four boys. I want four girls. Nah, I, need, I need some... Because you know when I can't handle it, I need my... But I need my, I, I need my men and, and, and I need my girls and even. And I think, I think it all starts, like I said, I think it all starts... Um, you know, with, with order, because like I said, you know, um, going to Linden, you know, you see equally. But of course, there's more girls than guys in the world, so that's not denying that. But there's a good amount of men, and I think, you know, when you have a man, you know, like I said, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about example. And I know a man, he attains to what his father is, and if he's looking for a wife, he's looking for somebody who exemplifies his, his mother and everything like that. And I feel like it's all about example. It's all about example. Like, for example, I see a guy like Andre Ricketts or Kurt Monroe, their fathers, and how their fathers are pinnacles. Like, when, when Kurt Monroe's father had a stroke, I just saw what it did to him as a person. And I saw what it did to the church and everything like that. And when he recovered, I saw what that did to him as well, too, seeing his father is a, is a fighter, he's resilient. And the reason why he is the man that he is, he's a husband. You know what I'm saying? He didn't even waste time getting married to Sandy. We all seen that. Six months, he made that happen. One, two, three, and everything like that. Right that he engaged, right that he got married and everything like that. But because of what his father exemplified to him. And I feel that if the father is, is teaching the son to, to become the man of God that he needs to be, to become a man's man, meaning, you know, 
you are the man in regards to taking care, taking care your wife, taking care of the kids, making sure money is, you because know, you you're the breadwinner, you're the provider, and you are the priest of your home. I feel that, you know, even though you may divert from it a little while, you want to attain to be like that. You see what I'm saying? So that's what I feel. I feel that that's, that's the way it is. And to add, um, I'm thinking again, Mildred's question, um, a lot of men, unfortunately, because we don't have a lot of men in church, a lot of men don't have that example in the church to look up to. And the man we was supposed to be able to look up to was the pastor. And, um, <coughs> um, you know, now, I'm not going to take shots at a pastor, so I will say that we have a Bible. And the Bible tells you what a pastor should be, and what an elder should be, what a bishop should be. And those are examples of great men. Um, a man is not a brawler, the Bible talks about. And we <laughs> talks about a man is a man of one wife. That means you have to train yourself in being a one-man woman before you be a one-man wife. Um, talks about a bunch of other things, being sober, being a bunch of things that a man doesn't have an excuse anymore for why he's not a man. Not to say men don't make mistakes, but again, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, there's no other man to look unto. My God. And um, what we keep doing is, now to answer your question, culture does play a role in why. Culture might play a role. But we can't blame culture after you've grown up and now you're able to make your own decisions. You can't blame culture anymore. It's the person. And as I'm thinking more, it's just a selfish thing. You start to believe self a little bit more and God a little bit less. And before you know it, you're further from him and then you leave the institution. And a lot of us don't know why we come to church. Um, last week, the week of prayer... Um, I was reminded why the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of you together, especially as the end approaches. Last week, I was reminded that. So that means this whole year, I wasn't reminded that. And I go to church every week. But this last week, I was reminded not to forsake the assembling of us together. So a lot of us don't know why we go to church. What's the point of church? What do I get out of church? And our members don't know that too. That's why we cry about our church experience and do absolutely nothing about it because we know something's wrong but we just can't put our hand on it but if we study the bible we can see exactly what's wrong and finally going back to the turkey and all of that stuff i think about ephesus ephesus was that love church mm. that community church yes. everything was for you if i got it you got it we got it i need it i have it but now we've lost that sense of community and we need to go back to that it's not a church thing. It's a everybody got to take a conscience um, decision of themselves. That's right. And say, all right, let's let's change this thing. But does culture play a role? It might play a role, but we cannot absolve the person's personal decision making. I think that with men, especially, I feel like when they reach a certain age, they just get distracted by different things, and they probably feel like church has constricted them too much. As in, like. They see that the girl, well, let's play, let's that line very softly. Some some men feel like the women outside are more, might be more attractive than the women inside. That only happens because the man is really outside even though he's inside. Exactly. And sometimes they feel like, <laughs> like work, as in like they want to make the money. Because I know a lot of kids, 
that left church once we started working a couple jobs. It's like, hey, pick church or the job, and they picked the job. Mm-hmm. Even me, like I had to deal with that at one point where I was working at a job where like they kept scheduling me to work on Friday nights, and I would not show up, and they kept firing me up. And she was like, oh, oh, I don't believe you that you go to church. I was like, okay, but I'm going to respect my faith, and I'm going to keep my Sabbath. And I feel like it's how much you want it, you understand? Because like the Bible says, God doesn't force us to, to take him as our Lord and Savior. He does not force that at all. We have that free will. So some people, like, they rather go outside. Some people... They rather play that prodigal son role, you know, where they go out, see what there is, and they they go out, and then they eventually come back. And most of the time, those are the people with the best testimonies. I I, I don't know if that's the best testimonies, because one thing I've learned, I don't have to go through it because you went through it. Um, I don't have to like that's that's a trick of the devil. Um, if we've read somebody went through it, I don't gotta go test it. And see if whatever, because Ellen White says that for every ten that goes out, nine don't come back. That's a fact. So we 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 celebrate that one that came back beat up and limped yeah. and hurt emotionally, spiritually, physically. Okay. Thank you. You came back. Praise God for that. Mm. But if we can avoid that, yeah, that's much better. And it's about an example, like like it's about an example. You know, it's funny, that text we always say, you overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. For me, that text says you overcame a sin. Not necessarily you went out and got beat up and you came back. So when we talk about testimonies, that's what we always say. We use that text, but no, you overcame something. Yeah, exactly. You overcame something. So you don't have to go out there and come back. That's true. Because there are scars you get, and that's what we need to teach. Like, it hurts when you was out there and you came back. Of course, that's yeah. a fact. And we got you got to talk about that. Like, yo, it ain't all that is cracked up to be. And you know what I've learned? Like, we've been in this church game for so long. Jesus has lost his zest. And I'm, I went to preach at a church. And this guy was talking to me for like two hours. And I, I left only because I had to leave. But he preached to me. I preached there. I didn't preach. He preached to me of the life he used to live. And now that he met Christ, mind you, he was raised in an Adventist house. Um, his parents went to church, all of that. Now, he never blamed them because at the end of the day, it's up to you. But he said some experiences happened in his life he would have never thought would have happened to him. And I'm, yo, bro, deny self, take up your cross and follow me. I, he probably couldn't even tell me where that is in the Bible. But he was actually, <laughs> oh no, but this is the funny part. Wow. He was actually denying himself taking his cross and following me. He was telling me his parents moved to help save him, but wow. since he had a vehicle, wow. he still would come back to the old neighbor, the old life. And then he said, deny myself, take up my cross and follow me. He realized that. He said, you know what? I need to sell my car. Wow. Selling his car, he told me where he lived would handicap him. He couldn't go nowhere. Wow. But that's the sacrifice he needed to make to help change the life. Wow. Then he told me he wanted to leave the life. Going to leave that life meant death. He said, well, I'm going to fight or I'm going to die. He went and he said, you know, I don't want to do this no more. The man told him, I don't even know why you was here in the first place. You never belonged here. So go where you want to go. Months later, that man's doing 33 years. So he's showing me like all the path God did for him 
Um, and he, like, and he's going step, but because he's paying attention. Yeah. Like he's lived double his age now, and he told me at 17 he thought that would be his last year. So, God can. Yeah. You don't have to have those type of stories. That's right. But that was a strong testimony. No, it's that, that, no, 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 no. That is a strong testimony. Yes. The thing is that even even while you are in church and you overcame something, that is still a strong testimony as well, too. You know what I'm saying? So there's no denying. So like I said, everybody has their experiences. Everybody has their trials and tribulations based on their story, which is understandable. So we're not negating that whatsoever and everything like that. But it doesn't have to take you to join a gang. It doesn't have to take you to be in prostitution to understand that the grace and the mercy of God is for real. So I understand exactly where you're coming and from. And also, like, we need to teach... Yeah. Um, the history and understand yeah. things in this context Facts. to be able to have better have a conversation with the young people because again the young people want to taste and see that it's good but it's not good but if again relationship is everything you could tell me it's not good if I don't know you it looks good to me why I gotta listen to you <laughs> so like this kid like he's telling me man I wish I wish maybe I, I'll suggest for him to come in and give his testimony because it's it's, it's long, but it's a journey God did with him. But when he looked back on it, God didn't have to take this big turn with him. It's because of him, he said, God had to do all this to save me. Some people like to learn the hard way, I guess. Yo, the hard way hurts, man. Truth and, be told. And, 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 and that's why I respect my man wrong moves. Like right now, he's, he's inside. Um, he's going to be doing six months. Um, his father was a big homie out here. He used to bang with... Um, um, was this guy named again H and Jack back in the day, and he couldn't even go see his father um, in Haiti because you know, you know, gangsters. You know how it is in Haiti and everything like that. But ever since he's been coming to church with me, like I just went to see his grandmother the other day, and his grandmother said, "Yeah, I want to just thank you so much because even when I tell my when, when I tell my grandson that he goes to church with you, people are, are like shocked. They didn't they didn't believe that." Because of the timing that he was on and stuff like that. And I'm just excited for him to come out. Because I know for a fact that his passion is community service. So that's why I've been, that's why I've been, that's how I've been winning him over. Is We've got to get back to the community. We've got to help the community. We've got to show the community love. And he's just been going back to his blood brothers. It's back to his OGs. And let him know, like, guys, be about the community. It can't be just about killing and about robbing and about stealing and about doing the wrong type of thing. So I want to just um, connect to all... The big, the big Crips, the big Bloods in New York City, man, and everywhere, even Chicago, wherever you guys are at, make a difference in your community. Touch the people in your community. Make a difference in your community. And let's also build black economics. Because at the end of the day, if you're not talking about money, they don't want to hear you. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's the message and everything like that. I mean, money, money, money is important, but we need to change the narrative. Of course. That, um, of course. That, you know, we was talking about something earlier. God has given us this, this thing money can't buy, and that's influence. Yeah, that's facts. And um, you was talking about you didn't know people knew you. I didn't know people knew me. Yeah. I used to say that. Nobody know me until you do something. That's right. You realize how many people know you. Especially when, you, when they put your pic on Facebook. Right, and you're not even on Facebook. And you're not even on Facebook. Exactly. All the time. I have nothing on Facebook, but I'm always on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But you think people don't know you. So but when you go to Facebook. Us, yeah, we spoke about that. But listen, um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, I know, I know that God has given us influence, yes. especially men. And um, the devil has made us lose our influence because we don't know whose we are. 
we are God's children. We are God's representative. In fact, when God came to speak to Adam and every man, he speaks to the man. He didn't speak to the woman first. Not to say she's lower. No, she's on the same level, but there's an order thing. God has given men influence and we've lost our influence. We've lost our wanting to be influential what? in a positive way. Like knowing that a kid is watching me. Like a kid has that much power over me now because I know a kid is watching me. Yeah. And that kid is going to do what you do. Say what you say. I'll never forget it. Years ago, um, this kid sat on my lap and was like, where's the ice cream truck? I said, oh, it bounced. <laughs> so I said to the kid, it was years ago, the bounce was in. And the kid said, bounce for a month. Mm-hmm. Bounce, everything bounce, bounce, bounce. And bounce is such a little word. Yeah. And she repeated it for a month. And they were trying to figure out where she got that word from. She got it from me, who came by only once in a month. <laughs> and then the following month, I came back. Mm. And then something else again, I said, oh, it bounced. And everybody said, that's where she got it from. And so I'm saying, like, we all have influence, even with grown men. Yeah. You have influence if you're about something positive. I give it a testimony. This kid, I was always, um, I grew up in elementary school with him. And then after that, I didn't really see him. But then I would see him in the street. And no matter how he looked or behaved, I never ignored him. I said, what's up? We always spoke. Even if I didn't want to speak, because I know it's going to be a long conversation, I still always stop by to speak to him. Mm. And then one day he's telling me about his life. He's like, man, my life is a mess. And then it just clicked. I said, oh, because you need Jesus. <laughs> I, I said, like, you know what the song says, um, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Like, he's talking and it just clicked. Jesus is the answer to fix everything you're talking about right there. Come on now. And then um, I said that to him. And he looked at me, and he said, you know, I'd curse you out right now. (laughs) I was taken aback. He said, but because I respect you, I'm just going to end this conversation. I said, said, why all of that? He's like, you're already throwing Jesus out? I'm like, you're telling me all your problems, right? Which means you need help with a solution. And Jesus is that solution. And he says again, I don't want to curse you out. But, um... Let's end this conversation. Shook his hand and I left. That's love. I didn't see him in a year. That's love. I'm on the bus. Fall, I fell asleep. <laughs> you not don't fall asleep on the bus. But I fell asleep and I see some somebody touch me. And I lift up my head and he says, God bless you, brother. This same kid from a year later. Influence. What I mean by influence, every time I saw him, I spoke to him. I always spoke positivity to him. I spoke Christ's principles but never said Christ. But that day I said Christ and I guess that offended him. And then um, at the end of the bus ride, we got off and in the street. And he hugged me. And he told me, I'm so glad whenever you saw me, not only you spoke to me, but you, you brought Christ into my life. Influence I didn't even know I had. I did have. And now I know I have influence. But listen, the thing is that, let's be honest, um, you know I me, mean? no 30-minute specials, no fake eulogies. You know you guys have a presence about yourselves. I know I have a presence about myself as well, too. But you guys have a presence about yourselves. You command respect, you command attention, and you have God in your lives. So it is what it is. When you meet a black man, both of you stand-up kings, you meet a black man who's Haitian, young, men, 
getting money. You understand what I'm saying? Not out of towners or in towners. Helping people, it's a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? And it's commendable. So I want to just encourage y'all both to keep doing what y'all guys are doing and everything like that. But you guys do have influence. No, you That's do, a fact. We do have influence, but sometimes you don't know that. And because you don't know that, you behave any type of way. But, but do, 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 do you pay attention in the room? Um, do you guys pay attention in the room? Like, I mean, I know, I know, I know, I know you guys, listen, I know you guys are not arrogant because will take it to the head and stuff like that. But, like, does it, like, baffle you guys? Like, do you guys throw me back? No? No, I, it don't baffle me because I know I have it. Okay. And I don't, I, but. How, how about you, Ricard? Okay. So sorry. I ignore it, honestly, because. You don't take it to the head. It's like right now, right? I feel like I have too much responsibility. It's like, it's like what, what, what I was talking to you the other day, right? Yeah. This was months back, and you telling me about, oh, you have a lot of influence, like, like there's a lot of people that I look up to, and I'm like, yeah, I. Right. And then you was like, yo, stop. It's like, and then you said, you just want to hear it. And I'm like, no, like, I really don't want to hear it. I'd rather ignore it. And then I was telling you how nominations was coming up, and I was like, and I was like, you know what, like. If I wasn't youth leader again after nominations, I wouldn't be upset because it was a lot of work. It did take a lot of from me, Bro. and it was a lot of responsibility. It's like a job that no one wants to have, but everyone criticizes you. Yeah, even the ones that that even the ones who could be offered the job and deny the job will still deny it. So, like after nominations, ironically. I not only became youth leader again, but I was nominated elder. And in a sense, I wanted to deny the positions, but I felt like denying the positions would be denying God in a sense that it wasn't man that put me in these positions. It's God that's, that's, that's leading my steps. Yes. As in based on the work that I've I've done and the influence that I have on not only the youth but yeah. on the adults. That's right. Because it's the people that nominate That's you. True. And it's the people that validate you Facts. after the nomination. Facts. You understand? So it's like I'm like, okay, let me see where else God is leading me. It's like it's like I feel like every year or sometimes even twice a yeah. year, like there's there's always been a big change in my life. You remember? Yeah. Even the time when I met with the mayor and then some people was asking me, is that picture photoshopped? And I'm like, really? And I'm like, I'm like, a lot of people don't even understand what happened in that situation. You understand? Like, you know, like, Secret Service was, was calling my phone on a Sunday, bro. Like, like 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. I had to go through all this briefing on you know, all these other stuff that I, that I don't even talk about. Mm. Because I feel like it's not even important. Yeah. And even in the picture, you you could see the picture and I'm not even smiling. And people are like, how come you're not smiling? And I was like, okay, yeah, this is a great man. But I feel like in my own right, like I'm a great man. Like, That's true. He might not know my story. You might not know my story. Facts. But one day, people will know my That's story. That's true. But I will tell my story with no conviction. And I will tell it almost coy-like. Yeah, yeah, as yeah. In, like, in, in a way, like, yeah, I've been through all this. But hey, like, it was just whatever. That's facts. It was just part of my life. To the point where I tell parts of my story life on the show and people are like this sounds like it's made up like yeah there's no way that one person could go through all of that that's do all true. these things and still come out the way it is it's That's almost true. like 
Like, this side behind you is literally me. As in, like, literally, you know? Sucks. Like, both ends. Both ends. Mm. Like, the business attire, I've, I've done the business. The streets, I've been the streets. Vice I've, versa. I've, I've had handcuffs on me. Well, like, vice versa. Know, I could testify like, that. I've marked my skin, too, as a result of, you know, living the double life, in a sense, you know? Wow. It's, it's literally... The real word was literally means telling the word, telling the world the word of my life. You mm. understand? And sharing it on a platform That's that real. the world could see. That's real. You know, because you have to tell one, two, three, four, five people, but at this point we told over what, 70,000? 70,000 people. Yeah, so it's like. You know, and I want to add to when I say that I'm not playing that you want to hear it to hear it because to post your ego. I feel like a lot of times I was talking to somebody the other day, and it was like you guys are doing a very good job. We want to commend you, but it was like, do people really pull you by the side and be like, yo, you guys are good, you guys are right? Because a lot of times as leaders, we we give a lot, we help a lot, and we give 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 give. But you know, people need to be conscious in giving back. So. um and, and, I, and I want to salute those, you know, who, people who call, people who inbox. Yo, you good. Come to my house. Come eat. Yo, I, this watch is not mine. Somebody bought this watch for me. You see what I'm saying? So stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you're doing a good job. I want to let you know that we appreciate you. We love you. And I think it's very, very Especially for yourself, Elder Hurston, and all the leaders out there, while you're doing good things, you know what I'm saying, you want to be commended, you want to be encouraged, you want to be uplifted. So when I said that, that's what I meant. Because we need to encourage each other, we need to build each other, because it's not an easy task at all doing ministry at all. Want to say something, Elder Hurston? I mean, it is true. It, it does feel good to be appreciated, but at the end of the day, um, my appreciation is knowing I made God happy. That's right. And we agree. I, it has to be that because people will not say thank you a lot of times. Because a lot of times it's not their fault. They don't think you need it. That's right. They don't think you really care. That's right. And um yo man, to know that I have like I said, we have influence and I have influence which yes, sir. which makes me more responsible. Yes. And re accountable. And so I think twice sometimes because I know Someone's watching. That's right. And um, even in the street, when a Jehovah's Witness is given one of their flyers, I always say to myself, I'm going to take one. Because the dude across the street might think I'm corny. And he's like, I'm corny too. He's corny. He took one, so let me take one. Or someone might think, oh, he's cool. Oh my. He took one. Let me take one. Yeah, I was speaking shot. to Sanders about that today. I told Sanders, like, we're in the public, we're in the public eye right now. Like, we're public figures and everyone is watching. Like... The worst thing that someone could do at this point is try and trick us out of our position. Try to say something or do something where we're going to react in a negative way. And they're like, ha, there goes the person that's preaching, ha, there goes the person that's talking about they're helping the community, ha, there goes that person, got you. Because I deal with that all the time. Like sometimes, like even in my own church, I deal with that in the sense that, like, people will pick the little things, you know? As in, like, there could be a hundred things up, and they'll pick that 99 and the 98, and they're like, okay, this is what you did wrong. Even though you did all this right, this is the one thing that you can get. This is the one thing that you did wrong. And that's the price that you pay when you're in the public eye. That's the price that you pay when you give people that much importance or that much power on yourself. Yeah. Um, because, yo, I make a mistake... I'm not going to let you crucify me That's right. because when you make a mistake, you're not crucified and I don't crucify you. 
That's right. I'm not going to give you that power over me. That's right. And at the end of the day, like I said to you, I'm here for an audience of one. I want Jesus to be proud of me. Exactly. And so I make a mistake. It's not like, so what? I don't think like that. But if you think you're going to hang me, I'm not going to let you hang me. I agree. But at the same time, it's the same people that are crucifying you that will beg for mercy and say, oh, my God, please, when you try, try to point out the same things that they're pointing out. But I have such a good question, though. When, when the door closed and they were laughing at Noah, did, open no, did Noah open the door? He couldn't open the door. Exactly. God well, baptize, baptism again, twice. That's what it is. I agree. <laughs> but at the end of the day... Um, That's true. As listen, we are you are responsibility and accountability, right. and you should have known that before you put yourself out there. That's right. But at the end of the day, you gotta build yourself up in Christ enough because if Christ, because you know, half the times we make a mistake and we sin, our biggest, the biggest person to crucify us is us. That's right. And um, like even in our churches, um, there was a church they were excommunicating a girl who had a kid out of wedlock, mm. and. I understand you're supposed to excommunicate. I understand you're supposed to make an example. But your example was supposed to have a point. You don't just excommunicate just to excommunicate. So this girl hadn't been into church in two years. They were going to excommunicate her two years later. Mind you, they didn't even know her name. They know like, oh, Sanders' brother's uncle's daughter. Oh, yeah, we know her. And then I'm like, what's the point? And hold on, listen to the funny part. I say to them, I say to them, um, two years later, you're going to excommunicate her. But I'm like, what about two years later if God forgave her? What's the point? You know, that's what I'm saying. So you can't let someone crucify you, man. Jesus, if Jesus forgives, yo, I'm not saying forgive yourself because that doesn't heal you. That's right. Embrace his forgiveness. That's right. And do better next time. That's right. But to let someone and now let's not be arrogant about it you messed up all right yo i did mess up i should not have messed up i made a mistake i'm no excuses that's right but you're not gonna hang me though you're not gonna hang me nah and we shouldn't hang each other i agree i should love you back into the fold you should love me back into the fold restoration if i hurt you i'm sorry yep and let's talk about it the bible says that what i love jesus said um you know go to your brother and then the main part is not just, oh, I'm sorry and nothing happened. He says you reconciled to the point yeah. you get your brother back again. Like we did, Ricard. And that's why I respect you as a man. Real talk. You're a real man. Yes, sir. Perfect example. Re- reconciliation. You have a problem with your brother. You reconcile. You talk it out. You build. Lay aside pride. That's what it is. I agree. 100%. We can't it's give nine. people mm-hmm. power because you know what? That's going to kill our influence. Facts. It's going to kill our focus. Facts. And that reminds me of what's his name? Peter walking on water. That's He's right. Good. Then he starts to look around. Yes. And then he started to sink. He took his eyes off Jesus. Yes. That's true. I think (laughs) me and Sanders aligning with one another, like, that caused a lot of controversy. But at the same time, we have been able to accomplish a lot. Yes. Like, sometimes, like, we do receive a lot of criticism. Sanders might receive some, and I might receive some, and then we might talk about it. And Sanders like, man, they just hating. I just keep going. They keep going, Yeah. Because when you do listen, when you do something right, that that's that's gonna come into the that's gonna come into the table. You see what I'm saying? If you was doing nothing wrong, nobody would be talking. So you're doing something right. So you just keep you just keep pushing. You know what I'm saying? But but words of wisdom. Yes. Um. Not every 
criticism is bad criticism. That's true. Um, um, it takes us to be humble. That's true. And to be calm and cool-headed and to be able to end discernment, if I can add, to decipher when someone is trying to play you and when someone is trying to help you. And even when someone's trying to play you, they can still help you. But it, that comes with humility. Mm. Like, yo, when I, I used to be fat. Yo, you fat. People thought they was dissing me. You was trying to diss me, but you know what you did? You made me think, okay, I need to be more health conscious. You really did lose a lot of weight. Yeah, but... <laughs> no, nah, I'm talking about... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I told you wrong. <laughs> no, I'm talking about when I was younger. When I was much younger. Oh, he fat. He fat. Like, all right, you was trying to diss me, but you made me say, all right, maybe I am fat. Maybe I need to do something about it. You was trying to criticize me to hurt me. Like, what the devil meant for evil, God got the glory. Like, you was trying to hurt me, but you made me see something I didn't see. And so, on your platform, some of the criticisms you get, and I'll be honest, most of it you get is probably true. But don't dismiss it. Like, pray about it. Ask God to, because you know, you know, you have your personality. Yeah. You have yours. Ask God to show you in your way. And I always do that. If somebody says something about me, whether you're trying to offend me or not, I don't just dismiss it. I go and I ask God, is this is what this person said true? <laughs> I was asked because oh, you man. can't you can't do nothing but hurt. You can't hurt me. You can only help build me. Yes. So if you said something and I didn't notice yep. about myself, mm-hmm. I always go to God and say, all right. Sander said this. I don't see it. Is it true? Or I bounce it against someone I trust. Yo, someone said this. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. Is it true? But I, I just wanted to add on this, and I'm, not, and I'm not trying to be very dismissive to what you're saying. I just feel like the people who support you, they have less to say to deter you from where you have to go. I'm just saying, bro. I'm not trying to take shots. I just feel like those ones who put money in your pocket, who want you to see in Excel, they are the ones that have less to say. And if that's what they're to say, it's constructive and it's to make you better. But, you, and, but I, think, but mm-hmm. I think at the same time, yes. like you can't have a lot of yes men around you. I don't believe in having yes men. I agree. Like, like for me, for example, it took me a while to be open to criticism. You know? Like even right now in a marriage, like, you know, it's a lot of give and take. Like you can't, Win every single time. That's you true. can't be right every single time. That's true. There's sometimes you have to humble yourself. That's true. And it did take me a while to humble myself. It took me a That's while. True. But now, like, it's, 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 it's simple things. I could just laugh it off. I'm like, okay, cool, and keep it pushing. Like, I take criticism all the time. Like, That's true. I have to look at how much leadership positions I have. That's I have true. a whole bunch of them. That's there's, true. There's always going to be someone that has something to say. That's true. I can say that. But I've been able to build a tough skin because it was... It was times before where someone might say something purposely to offend me, and I'll hold on to it for days. There's been times where people disrespected me to my face, and they think I'm not going to catch it. And then I'm like, okay, I'll brush it off, and I keep it pushing. Wow. That's on you. But don't think like later on down the line, I might get you back. might not be the same, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm going to do it. But it took, oh, a long time. Like, yes, the people that are not doing is going to criticize you because they have they have the luxury to sit back and criticize you know? thank you sarah if you're sitting back and you're watching all you all you're doing is being a strong witness and you're going to testify. i'm gonna tell you what sarah said too mm-hmm. you're gonna testify yes so, so if you're a strong witness and you're testifying sometimes you're going to say something 
positive, sometimes you're going to say something negative. But it all depends on your perspective and your heart. Yes. So before we close, I want to say thank, thanks, Sarah, for, for agreeing with us. But there's fake supporters out there, which I don't want to see. They are fake support to waiting to see you fail. Thank you very much, Sarah Lee Mororo Walcott. God bless you. I thank you so much for saying that point. Oh, but there are fake supporters out there. They fake support to waiting to see you fail. Well, you know, Amen. If thank I can, you. if I can, yes, um, chime in on that. Um, again, you said we're closing. No, we're about to close. Yes. All right. So if I can um, say this. Yes. Um, <clears throat> again, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Um, Jesus was the most hated man on the world. Mm -hmm. In the world, but. It's his haters who put him in his most excelled position. Yes. And so if it wasn't for his haters, Jesus wouldn't be on the cross. Mm -hmm. And he would not have died and we would not have a chance at eternal life. So my, my point is, you take the good, you take the bad. But most of the time, a lot of times, the haters help you grow. And it's the haters who help Jesus be where he needs to be. That's and true. it's the haters that will help us to be where we need to be. That's right. Yeah, but in Jesus' case, he had to die for his respect. Of course. Like, whoa, whoa, you say he had to die. No, he had to die for his respect. respect. He had to die for respect. As in, like, Break it let, down. Me, let me correct myself. Okay. As in, when Jesus died on the cross, he became a bigger symbol to what he was preaching versus to when he was alive. There was a lot of people, when he was alive, they took him as a joke. But his death put him in his most highest position the hope he that's reached his saying. he reached his goals his goal jesus's goal was to die that's it who helped propel him the highest to that goal his haters so you guys want to get somewhere all right the criticism can only do nothing but build you how the good you do good you put in a pile the bad you you adjust you put it because i'm being honest with you i know that a lot of even out of the bad the people that don't want to see you succeed, they can give you some nuggets about you that you didn't even see. And it can do nothing but build you. You think so? And of course, if you okay. have, listen, if you have discernment, you throw a criticism, mm -hmm. I pray about it. If it's good, I keep it in the good pile. Okay. If it's bad, I can dismiss it. Okay. But I'm I'm gonna every criticism is gonna pass through customs. I'm not gonna dismiss everything. This one, this is what Bridget said. She said criticism is necessary, but what is the intention? Thank you very much. Are they helping you or want to put you down? Do they have anything good to say? You should be open to criticism that helps you grow. That's exactly. right. That's what I said. Keyword, you, should put it. you should be open. You should be open to criticism that helps that, you grow. So I said to you, every criticism has to put be passed through customs yes. of prayer and discernment. And one thing I'll say, God has not given us yes. the possibility to read someone's intentions and motives. All we have is what they say. So God who reads the heart and who reads the intentions, that's why I said to you, every criticism that comes my way, I don't dismiss. I take it to the Lord in prayer and ask him, is it true or is it not? Because there's some things I may miss. Because I say, oh, you're trying to play me. But what if this thing could have really helped me? I think if it was you, I think it would be helping me. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I think my family, my friends, my supporters, I think... Being honest, bro, because I've been doing this since I was 18 years old, bro. So my thing is, I'm just being honest. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm just being honest. At I, the end of the day, make I, Jesus. I, just want to say I feel if a brother like Ricard or a brother like Patrick told me about myself or my mom, because my mom, you know my mom, she's on that time and too. She don't play that. She's sweet, but she could be better as well. And she'd be like, Sanders, this is not cool. I think she means well because she wants the best for me and vice versa for her too. I think what you should determine. And like you said, like you said, like I said, go through customs. I agree. It's cool. It's cool. It's a good conversation. Yeah, because you know what? Be honest. Yes, your family, your friends could be yes men too. You think so? I know so. Yeah. Even when they say no to you? Yo, bro. You sure about that? Yes. Because there's been plenty of times, there's, there's been plenty of times when I've been in meetings with people and when we're outside the meetings, they'll tell me exactly how they feel. But when they get in a circle with other people, they'll be quiet and then I'll be left high and dry. Yeah, like this. So question, Ricardo, none of your fans ever told you no? Like, Ricardo, you can't do this. It's not telling you no. It's, yo, Sanders, you're this. Or, Ricard, you're this. Or, this needs to change. Some family members will not go that far with you, especially if they know you. You may never talk to them again. Yeah. So they're not going to take that risk with you. Sometimes it is the hater who can come, who got nothing to lose. And then the <laughs> day, they don't got nothing to lose. Yeah, See, that, that comes with maturity. What I'm talking about comes Yo, with maturity and growth over time. That's real. Some family members will never tell you the truth. And it's not because they don't want to. Right now as we speak, I have a friend of mine. Um, he's dating a woman. The family doesn't want her, but no one wants to tell him that. Why? Chances are he will dismiss all of them. It happens all the time. So, don't, oh, all right, it's, it's cool. And I'm not dismissing moms. That's the only person I'm not dismissing. Because I know moms is honest and she don't got nothing to lose neither. That's true. But not everybody in your circle will tell you the truth. And I know that for a fact. Not every, they'll tell people around you maybe. But they may not tell but, but, you. But they will always go back to you though. It may not always go back to you. It might not always, it may go, not back always go back you to you. You think so? Yeah, that's a, that's a fact. Because, Okay. I don't want to go explicit. We talk after this. This is a real conversation. No, no matter what, there's no way all the information is going to come back to you. Exactly. There's no way all of it is going to come back. Because there's people, even people close to you, that will speak bad about you all the time. There's people that would that's right into you every day. It's not up until the point where you are no longer dealing with them that they have so much animosity and so much bad things to say about you that they've held in for that entire time. That they told everybody but you. Like I had a friend for years, like, his, his, his girl had feelings for me, and I would never tell him. And then one day I told him, wow. he stopped being my friend. You got an agreement. Sarah just said she's agreed with you. Sarah Morello, Walcott. Thank, thank you, Sarah. Yes. But, but I, I know what I'm saying. Okay. So, like, again, as a man of influence, we can't be... I, I, didn't, I appreciate the, the, the confirmation, validation, but I didn't need that. I know what I'm talking about. I know. I understand. So it's not like, um, I'm glad I got a vote. But yeah. Even if I didn't have a vote, that didn't change what I said. That's what true. I said is is true. Whether you like it or not. But, but I was I was, I was dismissed by that. Yeah, but it's, it's true. Yes. Um, you can always learn. And like I said, Jesus again. Jesus would have never been hung up on his cross by his friends. That's facts. Is the enemies that hung Jesus on that cross. And so for us, like we got to take everything. And uh, a wise person will pass everything to customs. And you know what? Even people, oh, you was fat. I never went back to that person and said, oh, you was trying to play me. No, I took that in my mind. I said, all right, you was trying to play me. But you know what? Maybe I am fat. Maybe I need to lose some weight. And I lost weight. And I didn't make me go back to you and say, look at me now. Because that wasn't the point. The point was, in fact, I said thank you to you. 
because you made me see something I didn't see. Yeah, you was trying to play me. You're trying to hurt my feelings, but thank you, you made me more healthy. <laughs> you made me more healthy. And that's, that's what God does for us. And again, Jesus is our example. And we need to keep looking to him for, for counsel and for help. Well, Alexandra said another thing in agreement. Not everyone who says, who's saying negative, not everyone who's saying negative is hating. Not everyone can handle criticism. They take criticism and, and they take criticism and instantly label it as a hating. But in reality, that hate is what elevates you to the next level. Well said. That, that makes sense. I agree. I agree with that. But I, I'm able to discern. That's I'm not a very cool. ironic line, but okay. Okay. So um, anything else you want to say before we close? Remember, start first. Okay, so I want to first and foremost let you guys know that we're going to be having this coat and um, toy drive. We definitely need people to donate and contribute, and we need participants. Please don't give us no worn-out coats. Please give us good coats, good toys that we can give to the community. In regards to the toys, um, Go ahead, King. you can't donate used toys to the homeless shelter. Yes. That's what, shout to Naomi, because she's been doing her research. That's what she informed me, so it would have to be brand new toys. I would suggest that... Because the current shelter that we're trying to work with have 163 kids. I did the math. If we spend an average of $10 per kid, that's 1600 and some change. Wow. So that's a lot of money that we would have to raise. So I would say um, get an average of 5 to $10 on a toy. If you could find a toy for that amount nowadays. Um, but it's just the thought that counts. Or you could just donate money to the GoFundMe, www.gofundme backslash the real word. Yep. Um, and you can come to 920 Park Place between Brooklyn Ave and New York Ave, and you could donate the clothes, the coats, the baby clothes or sneakers or shoes or whatever you have starting this Saturday. We're going to start taking donations. Um, I spoke to a man in a shelter today, and he was telling me how on Thanksgiving it was so much people that came with so much different food, and he was telling me that, like, it was one of the best days in his life, like, how much, how much that impacted his life. So, like, that's him giving me his testimony. So, I know the same thing with the people that received the turkey, same thing with the people that received the diapers, and any act of kindness towards someone that has less than you is always going to impact their life for the rest of their life, you know? Um... So, if you can donate, please do so. As you can see, we do use the money that we receive for what we say we're going to use it for. So, we thank you all who have been contributing, everyone that has been supporting the movement thus far. And we ask you to continue to support us so that we can continue to do the work. Because it's not easy. Definitely. Um, one last thing, too, I want to let you guys know, too. January 23rd, January 20th coming up, you know that we're going to be having a concert. Um, you know, we're going to be starting a bakery um, with my man Junior. So come out, pop out, bring $150, $200, $300. We about to make it happen with some good patties. We'll change the game of patties. So I want to let you guys know that. And that's about it. There's also going to be a week of prayer. Yes. At Ripley, yes. Um, I believe the 7th. Yes. Um, more details to and I know that the Franco Haitian Youth Federation is also having a night of prayer this Saturday. This Saturday, mm -hmm. starting at nine to twelve midnight, I believe. Yes, yes. And that'll be at Hebron, located on Dean Street. I forget the exact yeah, address. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so you come out and support that. 
And, you know, there's going to be a lot of different things, but we actually start donating to the toy and coat drive now so that hopefully by the 20, I believe the 20, shoot, the 24th or the 23rd. The, the 23rd, mm -hmm. We'll have a sufficient amount of things to donate and we can bring smiles to a lot of less fortunate children. Yes. Any closing remarks? Um, just two closing remarks. Um, what you guys are doing is pretty good, and I hope not only you guys donate, but um, you guys come to volunteer also to give the gifts. That's right. Because um, God does not believe in child support. Giving donations is not enough, but people want to feel people. So, Ricard and Sander, whatever, whatever they're doing, if you can come out and also give out the gifts with the children and the coat drives, you come and give the coats as well. Good coats. Um, brand new coats because I don't think you'd want your used stuff from other people so support that and my last word would be let's get excited about Jesus again that's that's all it's about the community service loving one another um, helping one another caring about one another let's get excited about Jesus again um, he saves from sin he wants to change our lives. He wants to help us change other people's lives. Let's get excited about him again. Let's stop getting excited about school and money and cars and all of that. That all is going to go away. But let's get excited about Jesus again, for he is exciting. And I thank you guys for inviting me to come. It's been like a couple of months, but I really appreciate what you guys are no, doing. Definitely. You know, we, with that time coming, you'll join Facebook at one time when the time comes back. So, <laughs> That's it. So to close up, we thank everyone that watched yes. tonight's episode. Sorry about the sound earlier. For some reason, the cord wasn't plugged in mm -hmm. straight to the speaker. But we thank you for supporting us. Um, this is a monumental moment to be at episode 26. You know, mm -hmm. this came from a lot of hard work, determination, and sacrifice. But with God, we've been able to continue. Mm -hmm.